I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to the Celtics Pod podcast with me, your boy, Mr. Adam Taylor. As usual, I'm joined by my homie, my compadre, my co-host in crime, Mr. Will Weir. What's popping, Will? Yeah, yeah, what up, Taylor gang? How you doing, man? Oh, I love the energy you're coming in with, man. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I was just telling you off there a moment ago, like, my wife graduated from university yesterday. She got a bachelor's degree. Like, so we knew she graduated. She had the... The, the the degree itself came through yeah. post a while back, right? But you go to the ceremony. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we, a couple of us, like me, it was all her family because it was her graduation. Me and my daughter were there and whatnot. That finished at like 12.30 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Go and get some food with the family. Boy, like start drinking. Family goes. My little, little like my daughter goes with her grandma back to her grandma's house. Me and the wife stay out. A little, uh, little adult playtime afterwards. And then, and then all of a sudden, it just got messy. So, <laughs> like, so um, I'm a little bit tender today, man. I've been a little bit tender, but uh, Taylor Gang's doing good, man. The whole gang, they're doing well. What's Let's going go. on? Over? I love uh, to hear Yeah, household. We're doing good over here, man. You know, I was watching the, the Patriots game earlier today. I was actually with our other co-host, Greg, for a little bit. Patriots had a big shout-out victory. Uh, so doing good over here, man. We're, we're feeling good, but, you know... For different reasons, I was out in the sun for a little bit while watching the game, and I think the sun just kind of hit me where I needed a nap. So I'm trying to bring the energy a little bit here because you and I both talked about how we either just took naps or want to take another nap, and in your case, go to bed as we're recording. <laughs> so I was like, as soon as Adam intros me, I gotta, I gotta try and bring it a little bit here because we're we're gonna try and give the people our best our best shot of what we got left for the next you know 30 35 minutes or so. I mean, when you were like, I spent a little bit of time out in the sun. That's like every day, dude. You're in Texas. <laughs> yeah, but I don't leave the house sometimes because it's like, I just, it looks nice from the window, but I stay in my AC. Today, you know, I sat outside from, you know, maybe three, about three hours or so. And, uh, you know, had a little bit of shade, but the sun was still hitting the back. And, you know, it's just, it's just what happens, man. The sun wears you down a little bit. I had a, I had a went out last night, had a couple of drinks, not, not to the extent that it sounds like y'all were celebrating, but you know, I had a couple of drinks, woke up this morning, did a few things. And so, you know, it just builds up over time and sometimes you just got to take a little nap. So Patriots won, came back to my house, took a little bit of nap, woke up. I got a little, a uh, little half decaf coffee going here mid afternoon. So just to make sure that we can, uh, we can get through this properly. You know, a fine world. We'll jump into some basketball talk after this. I've always found it wild that people that live in sunny climates don't go out in the sun as much. Well, here's one thing about at least just to give reference for like Austin, Texas. So right now, as most of the country, we're transitioning to like the fall weather, which I will say. So a lot of our listeners, you're going to be out in the New England, Massachusetts area that it's beautiful this time of year. Here in Austin, it's still summertime, like degree, which is which feels nice because I've adapted. I've been out in Austin, Texas for for about, you know, 10 years now, a little over 10 years. But it's still 87 degrees. The mornings and the nights are really nice. But the middle of the day, it's still pretty hot. And we just went through the hottest summer basically on Texas record over the last couple of months. So this is feeling great. So I'm getting outside more. But there are a lot of times where like in the summertime, it's better to just look at the nice sunshine. 
than it is to actually be in the in the sunshine. So I feel like I can uh, I can be with the listeners on this one because we're from similar climates, right? So everyone's like anyone right. from a sunny climate, sunny climate's like, oh, I'd love to be in the snow. I want to see the snow. Do you know what? it's better to look at the snow than to be in the snow, right? Like it looks pretty out your window when when your uh, your indoor heating's on and it's nice and toasty in the crib. And outside, you see the icicles and everybody all wrapped up. You're like, yeah, you're losing at life and I'm doing all right right now. <laughs> so uh, I-, I can feel you. I can understand. I can understand. And you know what? If we want to transition this, we can be like, right now, we're looking in on a Celtic rotation. And we're like, is it better to have one big man? Or is it better to have two big men? And this was a terrible segue, but you know, it's the best I could do. Hey, I um, appreciate it, man. You, you made you made it work. I was gonna let it fly. You you addressed it, but I was gonna let it fly. I thought, yeah, I, thought, nah. I, thought I thought you made it you made make it on it. Yeah, no, nah, man, I'm tender, I'm a bit sleep deprived. It's the best I could do. Just forgive me, everybody. By the way, you've said what? that a couple of times. When you say you're tender, is that like a way of saying you're hungover? Is that is that is that what that means, I guess? Yeah. I, I've, I've, I've never I've never heard this is one of this is similar to to not vibe. I've never you've said it pre pre-show and then on the show a couple of times that you're a bit tender. <laughs> and I I've been trying to figure I I mean I can through context, I can get what you're saying, but I had to address it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, you know, like you know, when you you know when you like you bump into something, and for a day or two, it's tender to touch. Like my whole after you have a good workout, and then like your body's like a a little bit sore. Yeah, I got yeah. You. So like my whole soul feels like that right now. Like just the, <laughs> just the inside just feels like the two days after a big workout, and everything just hurts. I'm just like, oh, dude, man. And the only way I can describe it is like I've been tenderized. <laughs> okay, so, uh, I got you. I got you. My brain's just a little bit slower than it usually is. So please bear with me. <laughs> but yeah, so the first thing we wanted to hit on, and we, like you know, we laid out the topics for the day was I found this really interesting i've wrote about it i'm sure it's been a topic of conversation on other podcasts and other blah 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 but it leads us into the rest of our discussions really well and that's whether or not we would prefer boston to stick with a single big man lineup or once viable you know which means once robert williams is back move back to a double big lineup where you can have rob and al back in the rotation together and you move back to what worked as you Mm -hmm. made a run to the nba finals right and there's pros and cons of both. I think what we're seeing during a preseason right now is the pros to having one big. You've got additional versatility. There's an additional ball handler on the floor. The spacing's better. Your um, your ability to go defense to offense in transition at high pace is just so much more viable because you don't have a second big body to kind of have to wait for them to come up and set screens or to you know, slow the ball movement down so they can go and get themselves situated on the dunker spot or whatever. And the additional ball handling just means there's so much more unpredictability in what you're going to do and how you're going to attack. And it's a modern version of basketball, right? If you, There's not many teams running double big lineups at the moment. And this time last season, we were talking about that in a negative connotation, saying the other teams are running double bigs, yet MA is going back to the 80s and 90s. And it worked, right? Yeah. So... There are your pros. Obviously, your cons is you're going to be giving up a little bit of defense because we've seen what a double, what Boston's double big lineup can look like when it's like running its full gear. So I think the first thing we, like, I definitely want to get your opinion on this is if you had the opportunity now, like, say you look at the roster once healthy, would you want them to keep a single big and put Horford off the bench to preserve him a bit more so you have the additional versatility, or do you want to switch back to you have it and broke? Don't fix it. Yeah, I think I subscribe 
to the latter is that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that that five-man lineup, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but their net rating was far and away the best five-man unit in the league. Like, that's the major reason for the turnaround is how good that lineup was, right? And that was kind of your bread and butter. I think the one thing that the Celtics really ran into, and this is where, you know, anytime a player gets hurt, whether it's Gallo or Rob, you try and find the silver lining, right? And with Gallo, we're seeing, you know, Sam Hauser maybe getting some more playing time. That's a silver lining that maybe wouldn't have happened without that injury. Now, of course, you, you'd want to have as many, you know, weapons as possible. So you'd prefer Gallo was healthy, but that's a silver lining. With Rob, I think, this added lineup versatility and seeing what this one big lineup looks like is just that. Because I think, you know, the Celtics are in the end game, right? They're in the end game right now. This is all about winning championships. This is all about when it comes down to it and you get to the second round, third round, you know, NBA finals. Do you have the malleability? Do you have the versatility to go with the matchup? Because this is a very much a matchup league. You need stars and you need to get the right matchups. And so I think long-term, this is going to provide over these next two to three months, however long, you know, Rob's out for, this is going to give you time to see, you know, does that five-man lineup work with just one big, whether it's Al or Blake or, you know, maybe even Grant, whatever it might be, you're going to have more opportunities that when the time comes and should it arise against, you know, maybe, maybe the Nets get their stuff together. They're going to be a team that's maybe you don't want to run two bigs out. Maybe you do, but you want to have that option in your back pocket when you go up against certain matchups. And so I think, going with the one big now could be a long-term blessing in disguise. But I do think when Rob comes back, I would go, it, it, you know, as long as the rest of the unit's healthy as well, I would go back to that two big lineup because until it doesn't like, like the one thing when you have Al and Rob, right. They're so good at being able to, to do multiple things on the defensive end, as far as they can, they can get out on the perimeter and cover, they can get back and, and defend the rim. So them, along with a handful of other teams, do have the luxury of being able to play big, but still be versatile enough to hang with some of those teams that are playing a bit quicker and a bit smaller. So for me, until it's proven that there's a matchup that it's just not going to work for, and that's okay, because now hopefully you'll have proof that you can you can flip and go to another lineup. I would stick with the two big lineup, but I do think that this this one big approach is going to give, you know, Joe Missoula another weapon to use down the line. What I like about it is you're never married to a lineup, right? Just because you start with a double big or a single big doesn't mean that once your subs come in and your bench starts to rotate round, that you're not going to fall into a double big lineup or you're not mm -hmm. going to shift out of a double big lineup. It's just, for me, it's figuring out where your best five is. And when I'm talking about the double big, that was because last season, your best five-man liner included two big men. It was Al Horford and Rob. This year, is that still the case? Or is your best best five-man liner Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon, Jalen, Jason, Rob? Mm -hmm. and, and that's something... That either, And it could be either or, Rob or Al. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, there could be yeah. some difference there. And until we seen the data and there's been enough possessions to make it a viable like data point to actually research into and there's enough film that we can go back and draw through we're not going to know but when i'm saying like this one big or two big i'm definitely talking about your best five man rotation and Derek white coming in not Derek white sorry malcolm brogdon coming in has made a huge like shock wave in well is that best five from last year still the best five this year yeah only time's going to tell Al Horford's another year older. 
you know, we don't know how long it's going to take Rub to ramp back up to full full time lord, like like Love Williams type style player. But until we know that, I think it's really difficult to conclusively say, yeah, you run back with that two big like best five. Or you run back with that one big best five. And what I would like to see is I'd like to see some iterations there. Maybe your best five has Brogdon at the one and no Smart, but I don't see it because Smart gives you that defense. And the reason that five-man rotation last season was so solid was because they were almost impenetrable. Yeah. It was just so switch across one to five. That's that, I mean, that's the big ball one where that where that kind of comes from, right? Is is Marcus's versatility on that side. But like I and so I think about you know, I, I think you're totally spot on that. The, and I think we're both kind of saying similar things that the goal ultimately is that you can switch with whatever it is that you want to do or need to do. And you think about the Warriors in the finals, right? Like Otto Porter Jr. didn't start that series in the starting lineup, but he finished it. And not that that move, I think, made shockwaves that it was like, oh, my God, that's the move that won. But it definitely did help them. You know, and it, it definitely is part of stuff that all added up to cumulatively the Warriors beating the Celtics. Like that was a move that they had that we couldn't make. We didn't really have a way to change. We had eight guys that we could pl- were playing. And really, by the time the finals ended, there was only about six and a half guys. You weren't really sure what you were getting from Derek White by the end, like that you really felt confident in that these are going to be the guys that are out there. Rob, was he healthy or not? You know what I mean? There, there was just less moves to be made for the Celtics than what the Warriors could do. And I think that's one of the things that as we go through this season, that's going to be something I'm thinking about. Because like I said, we're all, fo- this team is laser, should be laser focused on the long-term play. Not what happens, I mean, you get your concern what happens game to game, but ultimately it's what happens when we play Milwaukee in a series. What happens when we play Philadelphia or Miami again, or we end up against, you know, in, in the finals again. Are we going to have a response to a team that can play two bigs, like maybe the Cavs, Evan Mobley and, and Jared Allen? Or are we going to have a response to a team that's going one big and a bunch of wings? Whatever that is, you need to start preparing for that. And that's that's where this begins. And when we're looking at the bunch of wings, right? That's another question you've got to have because when you think about it from a terms of switchability, positionless basketball, right? Who are you classifying as a wing on this team at this point? Well, like last season, Jalen Brown was exclusively a two. He started this season, it's pretty much exclusively at the three. Mm-hmm. So he's a wing, you know, and I, I, I don't, I know some people will classify a two as a wing as well, depending on what your philosophy on basketball is. I like yeah. to go guards, which is a plural, which means one of two wings and bigs. Wings are three and four. And big yeah. are interchangeable. I think generally, you know, two through four, if we're using the traditional, you know, one through five, two through four, depending on like, but but then again, to the, to the point that we're talking about here, when we're playing that quote unquote double big lineup, I don't know that I consider Al Horford a wing. I think in some ways you you could think about that. And there are going to be certain lineups where, where maybe I do consider Grant a wing and other ones I don't. You know, it's it's really subjective depending on the context of the of the situation. I saw somebody put, and the reason I'm leading into this because I thought you had a really good point. I saw, I, I can't remember who I saw put it out there, but it was a really good breakdown. Uh, it was on Twitter, so I apologize for not crediting them. It was a few days ago. But they were like, look, in the, in the era of positionless basketball, you don't label a player by the position they play. You label them by the position they defend. So if they're playing the four, but they defend the five, they're a big. You, or, you know, if they're playing the four and defending a three or four, they're a wing. If they're a one, but they're defending a three, they're a wing. 
they're like a point forward at that point. Do you know what I mean? And that makes it a lot easier for me. Like when I'm watching it, I was like, that's just something I'd never considered. I thought was a really good kind of like pivot point to kind of lock back in on when I'm watching and I'm like, I wonder why if I classify Marcus as a guard or yeah. is he still a win, you know? So I'm going to be looking out for that more and Mark and like, you know, your switchable guards are a lot more difficult to kind of pin there because they don't spend time really mark guarding anyone. They're just switching on to whoever, yeah. whoever's in the way. Right. But what leads me onto this and you're saying, you know, you need to find out where your best rotations are, where your best players are. Another value of if you can switch from that double B and your best five man lineup only has one is all of a sudden guard minutes open up, wing minutes open up. There's more depth that you can, and this is what you was getting at, right? There's more depth that you can, Start wading your way through, trying in rotations. And it opens up minutes for guys like Peyton Pritchard. And you mentioned Sam Hauser earlier as another beneficiary of the injury. Now, if your best match five-man liner has two big men, that pushes Brogdon back into that kind of, hey, we need to fit you in at the one or the two. Then we've got Derek White. We need to find minutes for him. Mm-hmm. Sam Hauser's going to get minutes because the guys are dead on and he plays at the four and the four's quite been compared to some of the other positions you know we could slide him to the free and feel comfortable yeah. about it too Peyton Pritchard seems to be that one dude to me that for the second year of running there's just almost no direct line forwards it's like yeah. dude here's a wall you're going to scale that wall once you get to the top of that wall guess what you're going to meet another wall so you've scaled the one wall and now we've got the Malcolm Brogdon wall you've got to kind of get up that one now I've got the Derek White one got to get up that one and now dude yeah, he's, he's, he's like a wild, he's like a wildling in Game of Thrones trying to scale the wall. There's always like a few obstacles dolls, right? away. <laughs> you know the Russian dolls, wait, the little ones. Yeah, you keep you keep popping them up, and there's one, there's one, another one smaller, another one smaller. You get all the way down, yeah, all right. the way down to the bottom. That's how Peyton Pritchard's minutes have looked since the start of the summer to now. Like there was, the, <laughs> it really like, is, you know? and it's and it's tough because I feel like he he keeps getting better. So we're we're going into now year three of Peyton Pritchard, and. It, it, it's a luxury, but it's also something that you, to be honest, you feel a little bad for Peyton Pritchard because, you know, if right now, when you look at the Celtics guard rotations you're talking about, it's just hard to find where are the minutes that he, consistently that he's going to get. Now, when you have Marcus Smart, you have Malcolm Brogdon. Marcus Smart plays, you know, all out 24 7. Doesn't, I mean, for Christ's sake, we've seen him already take charges, dive on dive for loose balls in these, some of these preseason games. And it's like, it's, you know, I was watching one of the games with uh, with our other co-host, Greg, and it was like, Marcus, we, we don't really need that right now. It's, it's like, it's like we appreciate it because that's who you are. That, that's that's what makes you so special. It's what made you the defensive player of the year. So we get it. But it's also preseason basketball at noon against the Charlotte Hornets in Greensboro. Like, we don't really, we don't really need that now. We need at, at a later date, but because he plays that way, you know he's going to get nicked up at certain points. Malcolm Brogdon has a history of getting banged up. And so I think for Peyton Pritchard, those are unfortunately going to be the times when he's most needed is when there's someone down and he's stepping up to get some extra minutes. But when the lineup's healthy, that's where it's going to be tough. And he's going to get, and I kind of think back to, and, and we'll see how Joe Missoula handles it, but when you think about the playoffs, he may... I thought it was really interesting the way Ime utilized Peyton Pritchard in some of these playoff games where basically he would send Peyton out there for about five minute stretches in the first half. And then in the you know second half 
end of the third, beginning of the fourth was primarily the moments that, that Peyton Pritchard got. And it would be one stint each half, and that was kind of his time. I wonder if Missoula kind of replicates something along those lines because you are going to be able to play Peyton Pritchard off of any of these guards that we're talking about. And the wing spot is a little thin with this team, which I think is something we'll talk about a little bit more here in a minute. And so I think there's going to be a lot of times where Marcus Brogdon and Derek White are going to be asked to play up a bit as part of that reserves on those, you know, on, on the wings. So within context, they're going to be, you know, guards or ball handlers that are then playing wings and guarding wings because luckily we have three guards that can guard up a bit. So they're going to, in the right matchups, be able to do that, which maybe gets Peyton Pritchard some extra minutes, but it is going to be a little bit of a tight squeeze for our guy, Peyton Pritchard. And, and you can't help but feel bad, but it is going to be, you know, on him to make sure that he's ready when he gets those, those opportunities, because he's going to be, you know, he's going to get the green light when he's out there, but it's just, where do they come from? And, and I, that's going to be one of my interesting storylines early on. Once we start to see how the full rotation starts to, you know, manifest itself is where is Peyton Pritchard going to be slotted? Cause it's going to be when, when everyone's healthy, very selective. So I always go back to his rookie season under Brad for that. Under Brad, he was almost exclusively a two guard. He's almost always at the two. And that was mainly because, you know, you can play him off ball, get him to catch and shoot. Emma Udoka challenged him last season to become more of an off ball player in terms of being a small screener on inverted screens, forcing those mismatches, getting the switches, being able to cut and get open for catch and shoot opportunities because of his shooting. And Idoka at the beginning of the last season said, like, you know, Pritchard's a four-point shooter because he can stretch it out to the imaginary four-point yeah. line. There's always going to be a role for a guy that can handle the rock, push the pace, and score from anywhere. Now, as a single big rotation, single big best five, as you said, you can envision Malcolm Brogdon playing the three for stretches. No, I'm not saying consistently, but for exactly. stretches. Yeah. To allow room for Pritchard to be there. Now, if you're running a best five rotation and things become a little bit more strict because you've still got to honor minutes for like Griffin and Cornet and Hauser, who you definitely want to be giving minutes to, it's a little bit more difficult to start sliding guys up a position consistently because there's other bigs on the bench and other wings on the bench that need theirs too. You know what I'm saying? So that, and then Pritchard has to suffer there because there's already enough depth at the position he plays that taking minutes away from somebody else that makes impact in their true position doesn't make sense anymore. And that's kind of the downside of sticking with a double big, like, like because you're going to be playing two bigs all the time, but because there's so much depth at the four and the five now, you know, especially with Blake. And then, you know, we've got another topic in a minute. We'll hit on with Van Lee, but it's just a lot more difficult to be like, Hey, we're running two bigs to start the game. So what we're going to do is we're going to take these two bigs out, put another big in who's cold, slide Brogdon in at the three to slide. And it's just so much kind of like um, dance, puppet dance, Geppetto type <laughs> yeah. Phantom of the Opera that it could become more of a problem having this much depth than it could be than a blessing. So that single big allows you to be a little bit more like single big best five or starting five if you'd like and closing five, whatever that may be, allows you to be a little bit more diverse there because now we can be like, hey, we can pull JB out after four or five minutes and we can slot Brogdon in there. And then with three minutes left in the game, we can pull out Derek White, which is to start into. Mm -hmm. And we can slot Pritchard in there. And we can, you know, and it's just so much more interchangeable than it would be if you were like, hey, we're running with 
out and Cornet to start because Rub's injured. And now we need to try and start mix. It, it just gets a lot more difficult, yeah. in my opinion, just minute management. And one of the things with, with Pritchard, and so I do hope that, you know, as we start the regular season here in, in just a week, a little over a week or so, you know, I, I think he does need to get some type of consistent minutes. And one of the reasons for that, in my opinion, is, and I hate saying this already because I really like Peyton Pritchard, but he could be one of your trade assets. And so I think if he's relegated to the bench, you're not going to get to, to kind of play his value up a little bit. And I'm not saying as I, you know, I don't think Peyton Pritchard is bringing you back anything, you know, crazy. But if you do get to a certain point and you attach a draft pick with Peyton Pritchard and you got a little bit of maneuverability to maybe bring in somebody that helps strengthen your, your wings, if you start to get really confident, like, hey, Brogdon, White and Marcus, they're going to be healthy. So by the time we get to the postseason. As much as I love having Peyton Pritchard, he's just not going to be as valuable to us as maybe a reserve wing that we can package, you know, to go get something. And there's going to be some appeal to Peyton Pritchard out there. I mean, like you said, there's always going to be room for a guy that can push the pace, handle the ball and shoot the ball the way that he does. There's going to be room for him in this league for quite a while in, in a multitude of ways. So I, I think making sure that he is, you know, because he's valuable as it is to this roster but making sure that he has a little bit of a showcase so that you give yourself, you know, kind of some more flexibility as the season goes on. If you, as your team, as the team starts to kind of form itself, he could be that, that trip. Cause if you look around the roster, you know, without shaking things up too crazily, he's really the, the move that you would look to, right? Like Hauser's on a great deal. If he's hitting, you're definitely not going to be moving him because of the, the steal that he's of a deal that he's going to be on. And then uh, other than that, you'd have to move, you know, guys like White, which is, I mean, you could make bigger moves, but that's going to influence. I mean, Derek White's going to be most likely, from what we're seeing in the preseason, starting for the regular season. So you're trading a starter now versus Peyton Pritchard could be a guy that you're swapping out for different depth. So I, I do hope that he gets some type of consistent minutes, but that will be definitely something I'm very interested to see how, how Missoula handles early on. Brian Rubb wrote about that on his latest mailbag on Live saying that, if they were going to trade Pritchard, it would have to be part of a package because of how small Pritchard's contract is, right? Yeah. So the most logical way to do it would be to move on from Gallo. Yeah. Be like, hey, exactly. Gallo and Pritchard, what can we get for this? Is it going to be and a Pritchard and a pick might be your tax because Gallo has that option, which he's definitely picking up. Yeah. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to pay a little bit to get off Gallo, but then all of a sudden you're you're looking at a ten million dollar player. Or so once you have Gallo plus Peyton. And, and I, I mean, depending on what the market shapes up as, that could be a very valuable piece to have. And he could be the sweetener that you need to get that done. And like I say, the last thing I'll say is I do think that Pritchard can play a role. I just think that the way the Celtics are currently set up and the questions still kind of hovering around what their best five lineups going to be, what their starting five and closing five are going to be, because like it or not, your closing five has as much as an impact on how minutes are managed from the start of a game as what your starting five does. Because if you if you know the X players are your closing five, you're going to make sure you you manage their minutes in a way to make sure they're fresh, but mm -hmm. still warm enough to be impactful. So there is a lot of game management in terms of, hey, I know I want these five at the end, or these are my five that I'd like, and obviously we can change if there's mismatches or things aren't working, but you manage your minutes accordingly due to those kind of preconceived ideas. So Pr Pritchard might find himself really struggling for consistency. And we saw at the start of last season, 
without that consistency, he's nowhere near as effective as what he was the second half of the season mm -hmm. when he had a consistent role. But I think we said what we can say on that. So we're going to go over to an ad break. And then when we come back, we'll hit our, uh, our final topic of this lovely Monday. Was a lovely Monday, lovely adverts. Two guys, one raster spot, well, technically two raster spots, but I'm operating on the idea. I mean, I know there's two, but there's one. I, I, I've, yeah, I've, more than likely at this time. I yeah. think that's 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 what it seems like. Well, I've taught myself in today, they're going into the season with that 15th spot open. Mm -hmm. Makes you it just leaves so much opportunity available in the trade market, the buyout market, and whatever. So in my head, there's two players fighting for one spot. I do not see them filling both. Those two players at the moment, Noah Vanley is probably number one. He's probably headed to pack. I know Jared wrote, excuse me, Jared Weiss wrote about that for the Athletics saying, you know, Vanley is probably that dude right now. And then I'd say Justin Jackson, right? Now, my issue with Vanley here, one, I'm quite low on Vanley. Yeah, you put up numbers and rebounds against a Hornets team on game three of the preseason. Which, by the way, poor Charlotte, man. That Celtics rested half of their main yeah. rotation. Rob's already out. And I mean, Charlotte mostly played that game to win. <laughs> like with with their with their guys. And no Gordon Hayward still, of course. But uh man, I hope Webinyana likes uh like Charlotte. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine Webinyana and Lamelo with Rosen? That could be fun. That could be that. That's I mean, that's not a that's not a bad deal. But I mean, I feel like Charlotte is is early early in the season. They're kind of throwing their hat into the ring. Lose a Rama for Webinyama, as I've heard. I mean, they've had like things outside of their control as well. I'm not going to go into sure. it. You had that whole Bridges, like fiasco is the only way to say right and he was their second best player he's their second yeah. or is or was however you want to phrase it their second best player and they just didn't have the infrastructure and don't have the infrastructure to replace that especially if gordon hayward's going to continue to you know which unfortunately has been his career for the last five six years just just not be available and so without that i mean honestly them tanking and trying to get a prospect the level of women is, is probably their best bet yeah i mean look <laughs> I don't want to get into what Bridges did. It's deplorable. I don't know any other word to use it, right? But it's not like that's an injured player you can look to trade. Yeah. And then Hayward, no one wants that contract because they know that when when a player's playing poorly, you can talk another team. A team can talk themselves into, we can, we can figure that out. You know, we can bring the best back out of him. When a player's just not playing, it's like, well, we can't fix broken stuff. Yeah. So, you know, so I understand. But yeah, Charlotte definitely had it rough. But Van Lee put up points. Let's not get it. was a double-double yeah. performance. Showed he could rebound. Showed he could score. I'm just not convinced. And I try not to overreact to these things. I'm not convinced he's the guy that Boston needs. Because maybe if they didn't go and get Blake, yeah. But, and I said this on a different podcast. I'm sure we did it. I said it on one of the last week. It was like, You've got Al Horford, Robert Williams, Luke Corner, um, Blake Griffin. Grant Williams can play the five, yeah? 
that's five guys in your 15-man roster that can already play the five. And you've got a two-way guy in Cabangeli who's not going to be on the roster, but you can call him up when needed. So that gives you six. Six dudes. Do you really need a seventh? Yeah. Like, is, is the lack of depth, is there that? Like, I don't get it. I understand that Al's going to play predominantly four if we go to two big, but we don't know that yet. We've just done a whole segment on that to start the show. I understand that Grant's in a similar position, can play the four, but can go small ball at the five. But you still got enough depth there. So, like, so people that, like, for me, like, I'm like, if you're calling for Varnley to, to sign a contract, when is he ever going to get run? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? At least with Justin Jackson, and I understand he's a player I've been a bit higher on in training camp anyway, just because he fills that position. He's a bit more versatile. You can put him two, three, four. You can do what you need. He can shoot the three. But you're bringing in wing depth. And for a team yeah. that's already got six bigs that they can call upon, different sizes, different skill sets, wing depth just makes more sense to me. I'm not going to overreact to a performance against a downtrodden Charlotte team that have got their own issues right now. Well, it's interesting because I think, you know, and I think so far you have to say Von Lay's in the lead, right? Like it's, he, he got the start against Charlotte. It seems like, it, unless we're just being thrown off kilter, like we were with, with, you know, Wancho getting starting minutes in the preseason last year and then not meeting a damn thing. Unless this is another curveball, it just doesn't, doesn't mean anything. It seems like Von Lay is going to get that 14 spot. And I agree with you on the surface. I think the one thing that when you're leaving that, that empty spot, I think that's what that empty spot is. I think that empty spot is, is there's gotta be, or they're leaving room for an opportunity to find a wing in some way, trade market, free agency, buyouts, whatever it might be that maybe comes in down the line and takes up that 15 spot. Because I do think you're right from a depth chart perspective. And we kind of, we started the podcast talking about this. Traditionally, the guys in this roster that, I would classify as wings would really be Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Sam Hauser. And then I think after that, you start to look, you start to get to this depth chart where you're sliding either Grant Williams, who's more of a four or five into a wing role, depending on the lineup construction, or you're going to that guard set that we talked about in depth and you're sliding smart white or Brogdon from, from that guard spot over to a bit of a wing spot. And so if you do hit a stretch where you're looking to, you know, like we've talked about preserve health, preserve, you know, whether it's Al Horford or it's Malcolm Brogdon, and you're looking to find guys on the wing and even with your star players that maybe they need to rest for a game or two, you're pretty thin with who can fill in in that role. And so even having a guy like Justin Jackson, just a little bit of insurance, because let's be real, this is the 14th roster spot. These guys aren't going to see a whole lot of playing time. That's that's what they're, they're, they're there for, is insurance that if they if you do need to play them, it doesn't crash your, your floor of what your team can be. It's that they can hold steady for small stretches, a game here, a game there. And, you know, if they're going to go with Noah Vonley, it just tells me they have no confidence that Justin Jackson is that guy. And they've had plenty. They've had plenty of look at, plenty of looks at him. It also tells me they've got no confidence that Cabangelo can play that, can be that guy, be that insurance. Guy. Right now, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because that's what it's telling me. It's like, hey, we we have Cabangelo that we can just plug and play when we need an insurance big, but we don't have enough confidence in him, so we need to get another insurance big. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I get what you're saying. You know, the Jackson might be he hasn't shown as much as Varnley. He, he genuinely hasn't. He had a good stretch down the. Uh, in like second, third, and fourth quarters against Charlotte, he improved. I think you know it's a bit of a slow start, but he he hasn't been as impactful as what Vanley has. I would agree to that. But my point still stands that 
you need that wing depth more than you need that big depth. And with everything that's been wrote about Cavangelle or Cavangelle, you know, putting in that extra work or JB's kind of took him under his wing a little bit. They're looking to develop him to hot, to, 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 to ink Van Lane now. To me, it's being like, we have no faith that Cavangelle is going to be impactful this year. At which point, why put him on a two-way deal? Two-way deals are one year at a time. He's already 25. It's not like he's an 18, 19, 21, 20, 21 year old prospect. He's already 25. There's not much more growing he can do without the reps. So Vanley coming in makes Cabangale at the two way spot void, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I would disagree a little bit with that Cabangale can't take this year and develop. Like, I do think that there's an opportunity there in that. You know, holding on him on that two-way instead of activating him and putting him on the full-time roster, you just lose that versatility. So I think with Capangeli, you can still see potential in him, but you have stuff that you want to work on. You want to do it on the cheap. And I think that's kind of the way that they're viewing it is that they don't have to take up that roster spot and they can keep him in their back pocket. I, I think if you look at just the little bit of sample size that we've had in the preseason – I would say Cabangele would be who I would choose over Noah Vonley. But I think from a practicality standpoint, keeping him on that two-way gives you a little bit more versatility where, you know, if Noah Vonley is just completely not working out, then you could do that in the future. So you kind of reserve the right to be able to do that oh, yeah. well, at a later saying, date. I mean, I'm not saying you, if you don't know, not get, don't ink Vonley and then convert Cabangele. It's not mm -hmm. what I'm saying is, Camangale is available for like, what is it? Four, it used to be 45. I think they, they upped it to 60 games. Yeah. As a two way guy. So, you don't, like, what I'm saying is you don't need to ink Vanley because you, you don't need to. I got you. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying you need to convert. I understand that once the playoffs come, you lose that additional insurance where Vanley give it you. But, man, let's be honest with ourselves. If, if you need to play Vanley in the playoffs, it's because something went drastically oh, wrong. Like, <laughs> we're, not in, we're not in a good spot if, 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 if that's the case. I don't exactly. think. Any of these guys that we're talking about here in the 14, 15 spot are likely that are that are currently, you know, that we're currently discussing, like they shouldn't be factoring into the major decisions or the major games that the Celtics have down the line. These are all insurance guys that that we're kind of we're kind of discussing. And so I don't know for, for me, like I I think I lean with you that the, the depth at that wing spot is something I'm very curious to see how it gets. addressed. And I think long at some point it needs to be addressed is probably the biggest thing. But, and that's what, like I said, I think that's what that 15 spot that we're anticipating will be left open. That's what I think it will get addressed, but it's just how. And I, I see your point that right now with Jackson, you can kind of preempt that a little bit, right? Knowing that you have Cabangele in your back pocket. And so you don't necessarily need to go the Vonley route. But with Robert Williams going to be probably on injury watch all season. I do also see the appeal of, hey, we just need to keep a bunch of bigs in rotation because especially when, if Rob's out, you know, Al's the next guy in line. He's 36 and he's looked great in the preseason, but you know, father time's undefeated. I know that's a cliche saying, but it's true. Unless you're actually Ron right. James or Tom Brady, like unless you're those two guys, it's, you know, he's undefeated. So you do have to keep that in mind. And even though Al said he's down to play back to backs, that's like an organizational decision where hopefully they're thinking long-term and that sh really shouldn't be the case every time. And so I do see the value of just having, you know, a deep stable of bigs that you can kind of work your way through until you feel comfortable that, okay, Rob's back, he's healthy, and we can count on him and Al to be in the starting lineup, and then we can start to address other parts of the team. Um, but, it, you know, it, 
like you said, it, it, I think it's I think it's a fair debate, but it looks like Von Ley does have that inside track. And the last thing I'll say about this as well is the luxury tax exists. So right now, Cavangelo is your insurance policy, and your luxury number doesn't change, right? And now, obviously, it doesn't matter if you sign Jackson or Von Ley, that's going to change. But you're you're looking at what is it? For every dollar you spend, it's three dollars fifty in tax or something along those something along right? those lines. Yeah. So I'd much rather be paying three dollars like three dollars fifty on the dollar's worth of impact for a wing than for a big that I've already got cheap insurance for mm-hmm. for sixty games if I need him. Do you know what I'm saying? But I get what you're saying, you know, big man rotation, you do need that depth, especially with Rob and Al could Al could always go down at some point and so could Blake and Cornet's already missing time with an ankle sprain. They've only just upped his. So there's definitely a complete reason, be, excuse me, behind it. But my my big my, my issue still stands like that's like six or seven dudes, man. That are dicks. Like, oh, that, for sure, for sure. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. I think the because the wing spot, you're you're basically just relying on your your top end guys to be able to get you through. That's yeah. that's what they're gambling on. And I think with the you know with the front court, they just don't have that same confidence that those top end guys are going to be healthy and available. And so they feel they need more depth there than they do currently at the wing spot, which you can kind of, you can kind of pull from your big pool and you can kind of pull from your ball handlers pool to kind of cover up some of those minutes, but long-term they're going to need to, they're going to need to bring in somebody else just as additional depth. So that will be the next move that we'll have to see how, how Brad Stevens goes about addressing that. And with that, we're going to leave you with this. If you're new here, thank you for listening. I need to start doing this at the top of the show. If you're new here, thank you for listening. You made it through. If you're a regular listener, you're the GOAT. We applaud you. We're grateful. Tweet at us with your takes. If you've got an opinion on anything we say, tweet at us. Like that, that's a big thing. I want to have more discourse. Somebody pulled me off on me saying I'm a big boy the other day. Yeah, I saw that. I I enjoyed that. that. So, like, you know, I want to get, if you want to make memes of us, make memes of us. We don't care. As long as they're, like, you know, as long as they're in good spirits. We can handle it. We're all big boys, not just Adam. We're all big boys. We can make merch out of this stuff. Put my face on the mug so someone can throw it up the wall when I have a bad take. I'm down. Um, jokes aside, please make sure you're hitting that subscribe button or that follow button. Tweet at us with anything that you've liked, what we've said, or something you disagree with, or if you've got a, a, uh, like a conversation you want to strike up. Like we're available. Until then, we will be back on Wednesday. Still no game to talk about because for some reason preseason has gone on hiatus for Buffalo. What a weird schedule they have. Three games yeah. the first week, zero games until Friday afterwards. But yeah, it's just uh. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's we can it. live with it. We've gone with it. Until Wednesday, everybody have a great Monday. Enjoy your Tuesday. Drink all the donkeys you possibly can. If you're not somewhere that sells donkeys, neither am I. I just pay for it to be delivered to me from somebody that likes to import it. It's worth it. We'll catch you all soon. Peace. Peace. Ain't disrespecting you haters, I ain't sweating your opinion Y'all been testing my patience, never did it for a check I've been impressed with the famous, just rather be creative Than stressing my wages, ageless Every time I lay a verse down One play at a time, keep it moving like a first down And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this MJ never made it to the majors Still, he chased greatness, expected that he might fail And I might too, I might never get to pop champagne Celebrating with the crew, this ain't everything I am It's something that I do